Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. This is Amber, and we are bringing you Weird Christmas. Yes. Uh, with I love it. I know it's not his last. Craig Kringle. It's not his real. It's not his real name, but I love it. He goes by Craig Kringle. <laughs> this is one of those. I was just looking for some interesting stuff for us to chat about for you know for the holiday here. Yeah. We're doing we're doing some other stuff here this this season. Uh, and I come across just you know I I, I think I just typed it in I'm like what are there's you know we because we've talked to a handful of people plenty of people actually about the yeah. holidays on this show and they've it's all been really interesting and I'm like well you know I think I just put in I just put that in in Google I'm like, yeah oh, yeah weird Christmas and bam and boom there he I'm is I'm like oh Woo. wow like okay this is and I'm like well I wonder if the dude want to talk oh to my god and yeah. it's in a yeah. thoroughly enjoyable website it's really uh, fun you'll hear me just lavish a praise upon craig throughout the show but he is his podcast is genuinely funny like his introductions are hilarious hilarious Uh, the little captions on his old photos that he finds his victorian postcards that kind of springboarded him into uh weird christmas research um the the captions are, are priceless they're so funny but a little bit about craig Craig started, like I said, collecting yeah. vintage Victorian Christmas cards years ago and sharing them with friends online, and the whole thing exploded. And this site, which is creepychristmas.com, started as a Tumblr blog, mm-hmm. which you can still find the Tumblr blog, yeah. but there were stories to tell about those images, and Tumblr's not the best for text. No. So Craig decided he didn't enjoy having free time, so he started a podcast. <laughs> and weird know that Christ- feeling, yeah. <laughs> weird Christmas can be found at weirdchristmas.com, and if you are interested in finding Craig's podcast, of course, use whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Just search Weird Christmas, and then bookmark, uh, subscribe, do whatever, and listen yeah. to all this stuff, because He's got about 40 episodes, Fantastic. all focused on weird, strange things about Christmas and a lot of stuff you've probably never heard about, including some of the few things that we're going to talk about on the show tonight. So enjoy our show with Weird Christmas. All right, tonight we're talking about ghost stories, witches, werewolves, elves. Sounds like Halloween, right, Scott? Yeah! Yeah, no, it's Christmas. Because Christmas, why not? It's an extension of Halloween, pretty much. And we have the person, Craig Kringle, from Weird Christmas, who is going to tell us how awesome and how creepy Christmas really is. And I know we've done this kind of annually now. We've brought up all of the weird, creepy sides of Christmas. Yeah. And every show we've done... Well, the more, you know, the th- maybe it's just because I'm just so used to it now but every year that goes by and we dive into this every year it's i'm finding that christmas is just as you know dark it's kind of if not darker (laughs) darker than like halloween is i know i know so So, i also love that scott occasionally just randomly finds guests because sometimes you go hey give me a list of people you want on the show and then i don't give you a list so then you just go find someone let me me save this for the meeting later no and then you're like (laughs) Hey, I got this guy. It's called Weird Christmas. And I was like, what? What is it? It looked really cool. And then, then when I go on the website, I'm sitting there at work. And I work at a front desk in a library. And I'm sitting there like cackling out loud as I'm going through his website, (laughs) weirdchristmas.com. And then I'm driving. And I will have to say... Welcome to the show, Craig, for one. Yes. Thank you. And second, your intros on your podcast, Weird Christmas, are amazing. I From the first 30 seconds in, I was just cackling. Like, I don't remember even what episode it was. I was something about you talking about sweating in July and do you just remain <laughs> drunk? And so I don't, I don't know what it was, but I'm like, okay, I instantly like this guy. And so for, like, the, for the well, past thanks. three days, I've just been listening to nothing but your podcast while driving back and forth from work. So we are thrilled to have yes. you on the show with us to talk about all kinds of fun and strange and weird aspects of Christmas. So thank you. Okay, well, you. that makes me good because when my son listens to him, he's always just embarrassed. He's like, Aww. Dad, you're just, you're, you're just crying. <laughs> and 
<laughs> so, well, good, great, good. Thanks, feel good. No, yeah. it's wonderful. So I, ha- I have to ask, I know we're going to get into this, but I know your love of collecting like antique Victorian postcards. Yeah. I think kind of brought on this thing journey thing. into yeah, weird holidays yep. and Christmas. But what what's your reason for getting involved in this type of research? That's what it was. Yeah, okay. I stumbled on a book a long time ago called Christmas Curiosities by this this guy who is a I guess he's a scholar, maybe. I've never been able to find out exactly, but he collected Victorian uh, postcards and ephemera. And ephemera is just the sort of technical word they use for any kind of paper stuff that you use but throw away. So brochures or menus or whatever. Um, But he he made money by making these collections of like Victorian Christmas cards and things like that, because everybody likes them because so many of them are, you know, cute little kids and Santa and everything sort of pastel and sweet. And and it got really popular in like the scrapbooking crowd. So he made all this money and made a career out of doing that. But when he'd been doing it, he found all these just insane Christmas cards that would be like literally murdering frogs and (laughs) dead birds. And none of it seemed like it was made to be sarcastic or funny. I mean, some of them maybe, but, but most of it was just, you know, things that either had gotten lost in history and we didn't really understand what they were talking about, but to us, it just looks maniacal. Um, (laughs) And then it just said underneath it, you know, season's greetings. Yeah. And so, (laughs) so he put out a book of all these, these odd things. And I, I hit that about a decade or so ago and I'm, I'm a, a historian by trade, but so I just got kind of fascinated and started, you know, going to antique shops. And I'd always just be on the lookout for other weird Christmas cards. And, you know, as you do with the internet, found a few other people who were kind of into the same thing. And we started trading and looking. And um, yeah, it just became an obsession. I've got thousands now. I mean, on, and, and tens of thousands online, if you count the, the, the digital, you know, all the collections and images yeah. and stuff oh, sure. I've stolen from other people and all that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that started it. And then one day I was just really bored and thought, I listen to podcasts and there's this guy who just wrote a book on Christmas. What's how could I get to talk to him? Maybe I'll just make up an excuse. I have a podcast. And sure enough, he's like, sure, I'll talk to you. And I recorded it and put it out. And that kind of started it. That was it. Well, <laughs> and know, so that was like eight years ago now. And and yeah, so now I've got the I, I wish if I if I actually made money, I'd call it sitting on an empire of weird Christmas. But um otherwise, no, it's just something that takes up a lot of time um and space, but is super fun. It's definitely I mean, and I it, I it's really funny to say that doing a doing a show of our sorts too, but it's I and I I rarely use this term, but it's a very niche corner you have because i mean i don't know oh, yeah. i've never seen any other podcast of this sort um or even publication honestly of this i mean just there's plenty there's, of people have written books about strange weird christmas stuff yeah. mm-hmm. but obviously i've never seen a public you know a, a full-blown podcast you know of, yeah of, of this well no that's the other so. thing like just growing up i was always fascinated with christmas for for kind of i guess a weird reason like my family was not christian we were we were hard my i kind of consider my parents like they were hardcore humanists. So, mm-hmm. you know, you ask a question about God and they'd be like, you must decide that for yourself and we will not influence you. And so <laughs> I I had this, you know, world where I, always, I like to say like I, their magic wasn't real because <laughs> the world was supposed to be very scientific and everything, but we still celebrated Christmas and I always loved it because it was the one time that all the sort of, you know, hardcore rules of, of materialist life and whatnot, got broken and we're like, no, nope, there's a magic guy who's going to fly in and there are elves and all this. So to me, Christmas always seemed like this really cool, weird time when all of a sudden the world lights up and everything's strange and there are stories about all kinds of odd stuff. Mm. And I even remember as a kid feeling like when you listen to the Christmas Carol, like that dark side of things, it felt right. It was like, oh, that there's something about this time that, yeah, it should be a little bothersome or creepy. And then once you get into the history, you find out that yeah, it's the winter solstice time as well, which is the darkest time of the year, which is traditionally when folklore will talk about the veil between the worlds being yeah. thinner. And so you get closer to ghosts and ancestor celebrations all over it at this time, you know, whether you're talking about a European culture or or whatnot. And it was just once I started really diving into that whole world of winter celebrations and finding out 
also how much it tied in with Christmas. Um, it was just kind of like game on. I just want to put all this stuff together. Mm -hmm. And I found a few other people who are like that. Like um, there's one guy I do have to mention in particular. Uh, his name is Benito Sereno. Yeah. He is he's talked on my podcast a bunch of times. He's, he is more obsessed with Christmas than I am in every way. And he's, he's working on a huge uh, compendium where he's trying to like make a sort of, you know, just like J.R.R. Tolkien with Lord of the Rings, where everything is in its right place and has its own history and is a good structure. He's trying to make a whole world of Christmas with every legend that's in there. Oh wow! Um, it's amazing. It's like, I've seen his draft for it and it's, it's really cool. But um but yeah, so found all kinds of people like that. And yeah, that's that was that's what happened. <laughs> so it just became this whole fun side project. Well, can you tell listeners a little bit about the history behind why ghost stories were popular at Christmas? Yeah. Um and people still argue about it. Like in if you don't know, in the UK, ghost stories at Christmas time are totally normal, like absolutely traditional. Um, it's just something you do. So sometimes like if you hear the line in, um, oh shoot, ah, of course I'm, I forget it. Winter Wonderland where he's like, it's a something da, 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 and tales of ghost stories and mm -hmm. Christmas yeah. is long. Like sometimes people will hear that and think, oh, I guess he means like Charles Dickens because they're ghosts to Christmas past and all that. But it's, it's not, it's actually even older than Dickens telling ghost stories around Christmas time during that really dark part of the year were a super normal um, just thing that people still do. And there was a famous BBC series that came out in the, the 70s originally and called A Ghost Story for Christmas. And, and it became like, you know, just like we watch Rudolph or whatever over here, they'll replay those over there. So super normal part. Um, and people argue about like why. And I think part of it was, you know, it's dark time of the year. You're going to be sitting around the fire. It's kind of a fun thing to do. But once you get into the folklore, you find out that, well, there's a ton of dark stories that are about things that happen in the winter that get retold from all kinds of local customs with all over Europe. The ghost story in particular, though, um, it's just sort of a good English thing. Like they're just really good at, at telling those kinds of stories where you start off with, you know, usually a very small, quaint, old um place and then slowly normal life starts to get weird and that's what the ghost stories are all about where you have you know people who are married and young and go off to to find a new house that they bought from an old rich uncle and it turns out that you know old rich uncle is actually still haunting it or something like that and that's what a whole bunch of the old english ghost stories um are about but i think and nobody really knows because we're talking about oral traditions but if mm -hmm. you really get into it, a lot of people think that this is probably still tied to that general feeling of this being the time of year when like i said the worlds are closer the world is you're closer to death mm -hmm. because the sun is going away yeah. um, the days are getting shorter and so all those kinds of stories about whether you're talking about ancestors or creatures or monsters or elves, this is just the time when it feels like they're encroaching. And so you you tell those stories that get there. Um, and, and that gets to something, too. Like you guys were talking before about how it seemed like there's all this other stuff that's more Halloween-like. Oh, right. Yeah. That, that yeah. you're finding out about Christmas. And if you look back a lot, what we like in the US in particular, we split Halloween and Christmas, right? Like they're, they're totally separate things, but it's probably true that those celebrations, the further back you get, were actually part of the same season. And, you know, obviously not the exact same day maybe, but we're really part of that whole celebration of, you know, celebrating ancestors and, and thinking about ghosts because it's the time when you're closer to the spirit world or something like that. But that also is the time when you're going to, do the rituals or the festivals that are going to, you know, bring back the sun because <laughs> right. it's, it's Thulsa's time. So all of that stuff really is mixed up in this time of year. And, um, uh, you know, the fact that what makes it so weird for us is that we're used to Christmas being, you know, all happy, jolly, giving, loving, yeah. everything's super good. Right. And, um, but when you really look into it, a lot of the history is not really about that. That's, that's a very recent addition. I'm wondering if there's just, you know, uh, you know, on that line of thinking, simply put, because you just said that, you know, Christmas and Halloween, they may at one time may have been maybe in the same ballpark with each other as far mm -hmm. as like celebrations. You know, and I wonder if there's just more 
you know, peeling the onion back even more if they if they if they're a part of the same thing or they're just more related to each other than we give them credit to. Because yeah, there are yeah. these dark elements, and yeah, I mean, I, here in the U.S., we have I think kind of. Well, we got you sculpted know, it's, 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 well, and it's and like, <laughs> like we said, it's like very com- compartmentalized. I can never say that word where you're just like Christmas is this day. Halloween is this day. And you have this thing in the middle called Thanksgiving. And then everything you know? in between is just like other days, you yeah. know, and so it's oh, not yeah. this ongoing process that we're part of because we're not like hunter gatherers anymore. Yeah. Right. And we have like right. this crazy marketing world, mm. um, mass consuming oh, yeah. world. And in that sense, you totally understand why people are irritated. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, now I got to spend more money exactly. on more decorations and more gifts. Yeah. But but no, I think when it you get back to actual sort of celebrations of rhythms of the year and whatnot, it is all kind of that part of solstice time of the year. Yeah. That, you know, days are getting shorter. Harvest is done. You got to do whatever you got to do to get the sun to come back. And you're thinking about death now because, you know, the world is kind of going through a symbolic death and other people are literally dying because it's too cold. And yeah, so <laughs> it it really does make sense that that. I think, and I, I personally, I do. I think that they really are just part of the same yeah. season that we've kind of untangled over time with all kinds of other traditions coming in the way and whatnot. But, but yeah, in my mind now, Halloween and Christmas really are part of the same season. Now, with yeah. the the UK ghost stories being popular in the UK, in your research, did you ever come across anything that was uniquely uh, American from the United States that was creepy with Christmas? Yeah, there's there actually are a bunch of U.S. ghost stories because I think the the common wisdom, as it were, is that there's it was a U.K. thing that just didn't really last over here. But there's um there's a really cool collection of ghost stories by the the publisher of Valancourt, and I think they're up to five now. I forget. Um, but one of them was it was like the third volume. Um, there's a guy, and I've become friends with him now. He's, his name's Christopher Filippo, and he is just amazing at knowing all kinds of like weird minutiae of history. Um, he's just great at like digging into archives and finding all this stuff. Anyway, he, he went through tons of old newspapers and magazines and found that loads of newspapers in the U S in the 19th century were printing Christmas ghost stories that they oh. were doing it too, as if it was kind of still part of the tradition and um yeah so that's a cool a really cool collection and what's fun is a lot of them sometimes have that tinge of sort of whatever's going on in america like you'll get civil war soldiers who may come back or you'll get sort of old stuff more about the puritan times where you know there's it's it's old the old witch stories will kind of creep into it a little bit um otherwise a lot of them were we're still kind of copying um dickens and some of the other things but but i think some of that early stuff that really does especially the witches uh once they try to to look at ways to kind of connect that sort of old mythology about witches in the colonial times and and some ghost stories there are some that are are connected to christmas in one way at at least at the very least by being printed around that time well and when when i was listening to your podcast i had never heard of christmas witches and especially the la bafana and Mm -hmm. i don't know if you can like share anything if you remember anything about what that character is yeah in um she's italian she's kind of the very uh common italian gift giver um and in europe a lot of times like we get in the u.s we get gifts on you know christmas eve or christmas in europe depending on where you are like three kings day might be the day for gifts or or epiphany if you get to actually after you know 12 days later um after christmas that's when you might get get gifts kind of depends on the region and and what they are but in certain parts of italy la bafana who is she's basically a christmas witch um is the one who comes and brings you gifts and hers is more um the official story of her is that she was the um uh and and i'm i always get it mixed up because there's there's a couple stories of them and i always get it mixed in my head and i need to oh i should ask benito before i (laughs) before i talk about (laughs) it but what she is is she's she was given the chance to um see the baby jesus when she was born but she was too busy cleaning like she was like i gotta clean up my house first and and then i'll come do it and then but then he was gone and went away. And so he, she was kind of cursed for the rest of eternity to follow around following the baby Jesus. Um, and her repentance is to, to give gifts for everyone else. And there, there are different versions of the story, but she's always, she's actually not a mean witch. She looks more like a, um, 
like a cleaning woman, I guess is okay. kind of how a lot okay. of people <laughs> in the U.S. describe her. Um, and um, but she'll yeah, she's sort of the character that will will bring gifts for kids and leave streets or whatever in your shoes instead of your stockings. Um, but there are legends, too, that she does have sort of magical sides of things too and so that she is you know maybe she's the one herself instead of being cursed she's done something to make her immortal um but that idea of there are other sorts of christmas witches who kind of serve a similar purpose especially in in central europe where there are just there are female monster characters who are kind of somehow connected to saint nicholas in one way or another or connected to krampus who uh, is sort of like the, the old tradition in a lot of Central Europe would be St. Nicholas would come and he would reward the good people, but then he'd have a demon with him, usually Krampus, but there are other versions too, um, who would scare the bad kids. And she was kind of a morphed figure who might have been somewhere between between the two of them that might have changed over time. Yeah, but there there are a bunch of other versions. That's a good, list. That's a good one to listen to because Benito... Uh, had a whole bunch that I'd actually never heard of before. So his episode on Christmas witches was, was really cool. I learned a lot from that one. I know that's what I was listening to on my way home today. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I was like, this is so fascinating. Like I've never like this topic. Um, the, the other thing I was giggling at, cause when we're talking about, um, just kind of going into like the weird, strange, uh, mo- sometimes monster monster esque characters involved in Christmas. Uh, obviously Krampus is a big mm-hmm. one. And, I agree with you because on your show, you mentioned like Krampus like used to be this cool little underground thing. And now it's like this big business. Like you can go Mm -hmm. into Target and find like a Krampus sweater and you're like, it's getting a lot of it's getting a lot of steam in the last five years. Yeah, Yeah. and and there are aspects of that that I love. Yes, there's that. It's kind of like when you love a band and no one else knows the band and you're like, yes, Mm -hmm. it's my band. And then next thing you know, they're like huge. Right. And you're like, "Mm -hmm." you never listen to them again. So Krampus kind of feels like that in a weird way. Gatekeeper, but (laughs) but I do love the fact that there are more and more Krampus parades popping up in small towns, bigger towns. Um, I love that because I think that is just like there's something so wickedly cool about those parades, especially if they're done right. Uh, I've never been to the ones like in Austria, the elaborate ones, but we did a couple years ago go to the Milwaukee Krampus Fest. And even though it was small, it was just so cool, like having this massive bonfire behind us, all these creatures dressed up. And like we said, like there is something about that that cold, crisp nighttime air that just even has a different feel than Halloween. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, so a lot more people know about Krampus now. But the other things that I I was kind of curious if you could explain are Christmas, like werewolves at Christmas. Like that, I did not get to that podcast yet. So I would love an explanation on that one. This kind of blew my mind, but it was, it's a, it's a big thing. Again, kind of central Northeastern Europe, once you kind of get closer to Poland and, and parts of Russia, but yeah, Christmas werewolves. And it started, it seems as, you know, who knows exactly how it started, but it's all connected to stories of, and this kind of another thing that blew my mind, uh, stories of kids who had the temerity to be born on Christmas or oh, Christmas Eve, uh, and that that if you decided to be born on Jesus' birthday, you were going to be cursed oh. by becoming a vampire, oh. which seems a little unfair. Like uh, yeah. the kid didn't, yeah. But but nonetheless, that's how it goes. That, that especially there's this old Polish legend that um, yeah, if a child is born on Christmas Eve or Christmas, they're likely to turn into a werewolf, and so there's this whole sort of stigma of don't go out on Christmas Eve. Like if you go to church, great, go to church, but immediately go home. Don't be out because you're there. Now you could say that like maybe one reason for that story was so many people were going out partying on Christmas Eve and, and (laughs) having drinking parades and whatnot, which is usually what, you know, the further back you get, most Christmas celebrations are really just excuses to go wander around, get drunk in public and and (laughs) have fun. Um, But that makes sense of maybe how people were trying to sort of scare some people to get back in. Like maybe if you get the young teenagers to be afraid of something like that, we have a few more people out there running around. Um, but yeah, so that, that became a big thing. And and there are a lot of examples of werewolf like creatures connected in medieval stories around Christmas time that again, they kind of, there's nothing necessarily specific about it being connected to Christmas, but it's definitely about like these things are much more active in the winter in the darker times 
and whatnot. And so, um, yeah, that, that something about the specific aspect of solstice brings out werewolves and, and connects them there. So, <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's more, more, I thought it was going to be funny. Like I threw that out to Benito is just like, maybe we should do that thing about werewolves. And he's like, Oh yeah, there's a lot. And I thought it was just the one sort of story of Poland. And he's like, Oh no, no, there's, there's tons and tons. So oh, that's but, amazing. See, yeah. I guarantee you anybody listening to the show is going to be like, what? I've never heard of a Christmas werewolf or I've never heard of the concept of someone being born on Christmas Day and being like, oh, too bad for you. You're going to be a werewolf <laughs> yeah. now. Yep. That's yep. baby Jesus Day. No one else's. Yep. Uh, speaking of curses and scaring people, I don't know if you can elaborate on why. Why is Christmas? Why is this the time when every child's soul gets weighed? Uh, on whether it's been bad or good, like I, I, it's it's so funny how all these these mythical monsters are all looking at kids, going, "Well, yeah. let's let's decide yeah. here because we're gonna give you something crappy, or we're gonna maybe give you a little whipping or whatever." But I I don't know if you can elaborate on how that even got crisscrossed into this time of year and with these characters. Yeah, because it it just. It, it always seems so just harsh. Yes. <laughs> like, it's like, you're going to yes. give kids a present. Great. And I mean, and even Santa, I mean, Santa keeps that, right? Like he's got his nice list, but he also has his naughty list. So, you know, we've softened it down quite a bit it, the way that, that modern Santa works. But no, the further back you go, there often was a good guy and a bad guy. And, and so St. Nicholas would usually be the one who would give something to the good children. But he was literally, especially in, in Germany and Central Europe, carrying around demons with him like some sometimes krampus sometimes a whole team of, of people who would dress up in you know shaggy lambs coats and whatnot and the whole point was to kind of scare the bad kids into being good um as far as why like what what is it about christmas right. in particular yeah. that does that um i don't really know i mean i, I and i don't know if there's anyone who's come up with a, a solid huh. explanation it does it kind of makes sense right if it's if this is a time of celebration that's turning much more religious um, and they're incorporating all that kind of stuff. And you're trying to teach kids a lesson, then instead of it just being a party time, you, if you were good, then you'll have a good party. But if you were bad, you don't get to have fun with everybody else. And it's probably something like that. But if you were bad, even the legends about Nicholas, he was all St. Nicholas stories, like, like the judging himself. When you look at the actual sort of official saint stories that, that go along with yeah. Well, and then there's this dark, whole dark side to Saint Nick. Now, I don't, I'm, I think I remember right. Is it true that Saint Nicholas, the dark, whole dark side to Saint Nick? Now, I don't, I'm, I think I remember right. Is it true that Saint Nicholas, the real one, is the dark side to Saint Nick? Now, I don't, I'm, I think I remember right. Is it true that Saint Nicholas, the real one, is the dark side to Saint Nick? Now, I don't, I'm, I think I remember right. Is it true? That Saint Nicholas, the real one, is the dark side to Saint Nick. Now I don't I'm I think I remember right. Is it true that Saint Nicholas, the real one, is the patron saint of prostitutes? Yeah. Yep. The actual Saint Nicholas is yep, he is. That is one of his That's many That's why we all get of... so excited for Christmas. Oh my god. Okay. So yeah. we gotta hear about the dark side of Saint Nick and, and how why why is he how did he get connected to prostitution? Yeah, that I actually I'm not exactly sure uh, how, I gotta look it up. how that got. Yeah, that one I'll, <laughs> I'll have to definitely have to find out. But but no, his earliest stories are often about um, him and his earliest miracles are related to kids. Um, and, and the two most famous stories, because um, he was a Turkish saint, that, that he was the bishop of an area in Asia Minor, which is uh, now Turkey. But some of the earliest legends about him were that he did things to help kids who had been harmed or hurt. And, uh, the, the the goriest one that's most fun is uh, there was a an innkeeping couple who either hated their kids or had some kids who were stealing from them or something like that. And so they uh, killed the kids and chopped them all up and hit oh. them in pickle barrels. Oh, God. And oh, St. Nicholas came around and realized what was going on. And he resurrected the kids. And, you know, his his miracle was, you know, you can't hurt kill children like that. So he saved the kids and punished the the barkeep. But that detail of the kids being dismembered and sort of kept in different barrels is is in a lot of the versions. Um, there's that one. The other one, um, which actually, now that I think about it, this may be why he's connected to prostitutes and probably is. And I, I 
was just dumb before. So there's a, a story that he, um, uh, there was a family who wanted to, if I remember it correctly, family who wanted to marry their daughter um, off to a better family, but they didn't have the money for the dowry. And if they couldn't marry her off, she was going to have to become a prostitute. But so over the course of three nights, St. Nicholas came by. And, and of course, this was supposedly, you know, during a holy time, he came by and secretly um, put three bags of money in the house on three successive nights so that she would have the dowry and she was saved from being a prostitute. Um, and and un unless my mind, which which honestly it does this, <laughs> it sort of makes connections between things that aren't really there. So so unless that's unless I just added the part about her having to become a prostitute, <laughs> that could where that could where be where that comes from. Uh, that um, would make perfect sense to me. That would explain a lot. Um, to, when you're talking about folklore, it's so easy to just sort of make things yeah, slide into each in other. And, yeah. yeah, just yeah. just add to the story. Well. The the other the other little weirdos I forgot about and I cannot remember their names right now. Uh, they were the little people and I know in a past episode, Scott, you might remember this. I I did a thing on Christmas monsters and I think I had found these guys. But they're these Icelandic things. The Yule lads. The Yule lads. Yeah, that was yeah. it. And I totally forgot about their absolutely ridiculous names. And of course, in Iceland, I, I cannot pronounce anything in Icelandic. Oh yeah, no, it's I not can't gonna eat. happen. Yeah. Uh, but they had names like that pretty much meant like spoon liquor, bowl yep. liquor, sausage stealer. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think doorknob sniffer is one of them too. Yeah, <laughs> like just insanity. So there's and then do elves are elves part of Iceland or is that totally just Scandinavia? They are like I, but when you know trying to figure out like what actually counts as an elf or a goblin right. or a troll or whatever is is usually pretty hard so i think though it is totally fair to think of them as elves like those those 13 guys so the yule lads okay. what it is is they uh there's an old legend this old monster named gorilla um who she gave birth to these 12 boys these the, the yule lads and in iceland they come throughout the christmas season and they each either play a trick on you or leave a gift or something like that. And they all, yeah, like you said, they all have these crazy names and they're <laughs> yeah. all known for these special odd <laughs> things. And, and that's when I got to be honest, I'm not sure how common it was and I'm, and how much it was kind of like, you know, Krampus is getting more popular in the U S and so now they're all Krampus parades and whatnot. I am honestly not entirely sure how traditional a lot of the Yule lad stuff is and, and how much of it is sort of like, recently people have been making more of it just because it's kind of a fun yeah, a fun thing yeah. to do and i i just don't know but i think you know their their gorilla is a monster or a troll or something like that and so if she's gonna have kids yeah they count as elves <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it works certainly it sure. works sure but yeah and um but th those guys are funny yeah because all the stories connected to them are like you said really really cool and they'll they'll play different tricks and and it's plus it's fun to have like different characters that many and they're all doing something silly it's a, way, way more fun than elf on the shelf I oh think. way more fun and it makes <laughs> that's one of those traditions that i kind of wish was around when i was younger like elf on a shelf i thought was of, of all the things that have been in recent years i was like that one's really cute that's fun <laughs> like i want to participate like i i do weird stuff like to scott here um i sometimes what I, you find weird things like a doll's head in your bed sometimes and yeah. Just strange things. Yeah. It's but maybe I should do something for Christmas like it's wonderful. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll i have to do something else than like well, friggin' insomniac as it is, no, I have to deal with this I know. one too. I'll have to find some other creepy thing I have around the house and like put it in different spots. We have this we have we call it monkey. Oh monkey. Mm -hmm. Um Monkey And is... I you know, you maybe we'll send you a picture of it. We'll make sure we send you a picture of it. Just, <laughs> and maybe, you know what, we'll have, to give, we'll have to give this discussion, this piece of the discussion, a little context. So maybe we'll shoot a picture of it. I think we may have put it up on the site before. But it's just like, it's a, Amber, it's a it's a. Okay, so monkey. it's a vintage toy, stuffed toy monkey, probably from around World War II. Mm -hmm. When I got him at an estate sale, he had little uh, World War II military buttons all over him. And he looks like he has a little military hat. But he's just oh, that cool. classic era toy from the 1940s mm -hmm. where something just looks a little inhuman. Well, it is inhuman. It's a monkey. But something doesn't look quite natural about it. Like, it's startling. Like the old ventriloquist dummies. Why they just... Every toy from that era looks terrifying. It, it does. It, it's, yeah. It's and so everyone disturbing. that comes over to our house, they look at this monkey and they're like, "What? where did you get that thing? What? What is that? Yeah. 
And I mean, we've had our grown, what our friend Keith yeah, is our, 48. Our, our, our grown man child friend. 48. <laughs> and when he comes to visit and spend, he spends the night, he, he's like. He requests it to be put somewhere else. He requests monkey to be he put somewhere deal. else. <laughs> he just can't deal with it. And um, I don't blame him because it's creepy looking. And oh, I, um, I, I had a roommate and she found the thing highly disturbing. So I snuck into her room and I, <laughs> I propped the monkey up at the foot of her bed with a, just a butter knife laying over his legs. <laughs> And so she woke up in the morning and was like, because she wears glasses, she's like, why is there a pile of shoes at my bed? And then when she put her glasses on, she's like, what the F? <laughs> like, and she didn't know what was creepier, the fact that the monkey was sitting there with a, with a, you know, a dull knife on his lap staring at her, or the fact that, I, of course, I snuck into her room while she was sleeping. I'm like, yeah, I might be creepier than monkey, but... When you when you get these like unsettling weird toys like that, which I do think you you kind of have if you look at vintage Christmas stuff, there is yeah. a lot oh, of yeah. weird unsettling oh, yeah. Santas. Uh. Well, but the the I guess for my brain is that somebody you know designed that somewhere and said, oh yeah, kids are gonna but love that. Thought, kids are gonna love and this, and they probably like did. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think kids were different like then. Like they'd probably look at some of our stuff now and be like, Ugh. "Well, like in the 1940s and 50s, there was not nearly a, n- as many horror films or disturbing films as there is now." I mean, that genre is a little younger than most films of the time, so that may be part of it too. Is at that time, yeah, every because there's there's a, there's a I mean, not to derail too hard here, but yeah, there's a horror film for every goofy thing out there now. Mm-hmm. Christ, our neighbor, well, yeah, our old holiday. neighbor, our old neighbor wanted to make a movie. I don't want to. I don't want to wreck his idea though. He don't care. Okay. Our old neighbor wanted to make a movie called S'more Man. Oh God! Some guy like who that. dies in a fire and gets gets like fused with like marshmallows and <laughs> chocolate and stuff, and he just goes around <laughs> murdering people at a camp or something like that. So I'm like, well, I've heard it all now, right? So at that point. Yeah, there's there's like you know there's a horror movie for every goofy thing out there, right? And yeah, you look at old toys like that where they weren't assuming in that way. I guess that's where that kind of comes from, where you have monkey, for example. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. which is the same which, reason. Which, like Elf on the Shelf bugs me though, because it, it like the idea. Yeah, like, like I'm sure the way she reacted to monkey is like that. There's this little thing that's watching you, yeah. right? Like that's the yeah. that's the creepy thing about Elf on the Shelf that it's supposed to be watching you. And, you know, it's one thing to be, have fun and, like, put it in different places. But, yeah, to have this creature that's taking notes on your every move. Well, <laughs> and, and that's that's the thing. There was another – I don't know if it was the 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 Yule Lad's mom or if it was – what. there was a creature that you were talking about on the pod, your podcast. And the, the woman had ten ears on each side of her head to listen to all the children. I forget. I think that was one of the witches that, okay. that Benito talked about. Yeah. So one of the, the crazy sort of bad guy creatures that comes okay. with, with St. Nicholas. Yeah. Yeah. See, and that, that image, right when he said that, I was like, that's disturbing. <laughs> like, just have these megaphone ears just listening, listening, like just manage your head like a satellite turning, um, just absorbing like every nasty little thing a kid says and being like, nope, you're not getting that huffy this year. so but no i totally get what you're saying about like the old toys and whatnot because honestly that's one reason why i think so many of the cards that i find seem weird to us just because we got a totally different different age we're totally different yeah yeah the context is different yeah and like things wouldn't smile as much back then so you'll always have these dolls that just have these like you know deadpan stares looking at you and you're like that's dolls are supposed to be like care bears and smiley and cuddly and whatnot not yeah well, speaking of these postcards, we got to discuss this because <laughs> uh, I want to talk about these dead bird postcards because another fantastic thing that I never knew existed were these. And yeah. I, I do have a very small collection of vintage postcards, nothing like yours, but I have never, ever come across these dead birds. And to listeners who don't know what we're talking about, it is a very pretty like Victorian image of like I'm looking at a robin. I don't know what the other bird is. There's another yeah. one, but it's just this sweet little bird, dead on the ground, clearly dead, on its back with its little legs curled up. And they say things like, "Best, yeah." This one says, "With kind regards and best wishes, and <laughs> a loving Christmas greeting." What were you able? I know I read stuff on your on your blog, but what were you able to? figure out why Victorians found, I mean, I kind of have an idea, but I want to hear yeah. your opinion on, uh, on I don't know, man. dead like, bird I, I've, I've heard different things and, and tried to come up with different things, but it's still wild. Like at first I thought, okay, this is just some one random thing that maybe it was one weird series that somebody did and they had a reason and they did, but I keep finding like different companies made 
dead bird cards and there are different versions all over the place like it's it really it truly literally apparently was a trend <laughs> so that that they would have christmas cards with just a dead bird um so i think the the common idea and this is true like the victorians were were weird about like being sentimental and emotional about things like they they would intentionally like tell stories that were were supposed to make you feel sad and you were going to enjoy feeling sad and enjoy pity for small things and and it was sort of like just this this sort of quaint feeling that you had and there's a lot of like a lot of the think of like dickens stories where you know you're part of what he's doing is like pulling on your heartstrings by, Oh, poor little tiny Tim. He's going to die. He's an innocent child. He shouldn't have to do that. They loved that. Like they they love that feeling. And it's possible that these dead bird cards are just supposed to kind of create that same feeling of a little sort of, you know, fun melancholy um, because they were into that. Like that's just what the Victorians kind of did. So it could be something like that. Um, Just to them. It's, it's not so out there. It really is, you know, death happens death even happens to these small creatures and so soften your feelings and you know love one another a little bit more it could be something like that um i found out about a different older celtic holiday called rende which seemed to have been more popular at the time but it was another kind of christmas time parade celebration that probably went back to solstice solstice traditions of how to bring back the mm-hmm. sun but um in rende Kids, like usually teenagers would go out and they would kill a wren, a small wren, Mm -hmm. and then they would put it on a stick and decorate it and it would be like the king of the day and they would parade around town and something about this was, you know, connected to older rituals that would help bring back the sun. Um, Really, it was just kind of a dark excuse, again, to run around as a drunk group of people and have (laughs) fun and party. So I was like, maybe it could be connected to that. Like if they, if they were still familiar with that being a sort of common tradition, then a small dead bird might just oddly enough, be a kind of seasonal image at the time. I mean, just, I mean, Thanksgiving now we see dead turkeys all over the place. They're usually cooked and well presented and whatnot, but at the same time, it might be kind of you from a different perspective you know if the world turns vegetarian in 400 years or something like that those are going to seem like entirely gruesome cards so oh, sure. it could be something like that um i'm not really sure but those are the two best ideas that that i've heard but even so it i still just I, those i don't get like because they're they're obviously not supposed to be funny like there are other ones where cards where they'll be doing violent stuff like i do have one of my favorite ones is one frog has just murdered another one and he's running Uh, off with a bag of gold Um, and underneath it it says um compliments of the season uh that's funny you know that's obviously meant to to just be funny because there's no way that's a seasonal mess right these dead bird cards they they were straight like they really were meant to be straight and there are other versions where there are kind of yeah like the one you mentioned that are just like best wishes yeah yeah and you know and it's like how could that possibly be a best wishes image like please don't turn out like this bird i guess right, i don't right. know but or at least you're not this so yeah <laughs> be yeah. thankful but i find more every year like i thought like i said when i first came on them um, they were in that book that i mentioned and he, he had found two and he's like these are just weird examples um i've i'm up to like 20 now i think um uh, and it blows my mind that yeah they were a trend the other so. two weren't you know that i got a kick out of that weren't just dead birds it was like there's one with a girl in like a little red fur trimmed dress just holding a dead bird sitting mm-hmm. outside the looking hell, at yeah. it the hell, man. And yeah then, yeah and, and then... that's part of that like victorian <laughs> sentimentalism thing i think it's like yeah a small child picks up a small yeah. dead bird and looks at it and learns about death for the first time isn't right. that so sad yeah don't say that doesn't that make you feel kind of sad inside and merry christmas yeah you know? <laughs> so weird <laughs> i'm so confused right but now. it does make sense because a lot of there's a lot of sappy like overly sentimental literature if you you know get into oh, yeah. a lot of the authors of that time in the victorian era um yeah it's 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 a thing it's it's an aesthetic uh the other thing i want to talk about are is fig pudding uh <laughs> yeah because i was going through your your postcards that look like where the fig pudding looks like a meatball man mm-hmm. like meatwad or something yeah. and it does does to any person who's not british they'd look at that and go yeah that's a big meatball 
Like there would be no thought about fig pudding, which when I looked up and read your description on what fig pudding is, which you described as basically aged alcoholic fruit sausage, I was like, yeah. <laughs> 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 yep. wait, 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 yeah. no, wait a minute here. Hang on. Aged alcoholic fruit no, sausage. No, Scott. Wait, no, no. Let <laughs> Craig explain what it is. All right, you will ahead. gag. Well, so I, I've had it a couple times and, and it's the, if you have somebody make it now, it's actually made. It, it can be really good, and, uh, but it's it's more like a home. It, it's a comfy home recipe, and and I think I mentioned that it's like you know how like people will eat cranberry sauce at Thanksgiving or Christmas, but that's the only time you're going to eat it, right? Yeah. It's not like you're, you're very few people are like, yeah, I just really want cranberry sauce yeah. on a Tuesday evening or whatever. Um, it's the same kind of thing, like just special holiday food, and and people who grew up with it still like it, and and it's it's again UK tradition, common thing. But what it looks like is a big brown ball. Yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's like literally sometimes, um, prepared in a bag. And so it really just takes a round, a round shape and then they'll either cut it in half or whatever you serve it. Um, but yeah, there are all these cards that show it, but there's so many people making the cards. They weren't all the best illustrators and artists in the world. So yeah, in the end, a lot of these just look like giant meatballs. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, but to the Victorians and even, I think probably still to, to a lot of British folk, it's still just as kind of a standard Christmas thing. Like you see that and you're like, oh yeah, Christmas pudding. Just like, you know, if you see a card that has candy canes all over it, you're immediately going to think Christmas card, you know, yeah. no matter what else it's like, that's, that's Christmas. Um, same kind of thing there. But yeah, it, if, especially like me, like I, I'm sure when I first saw them, I probably thought they were meatballs too. <laughs> it's just like, what the, what is this giant ass thing that's <laughs> gray or brown and, rolling but then they do all kinds of weird stuff with it like they'll make it'll be like a, some creature's head or it'll be the body of something and there'll be knives and forks sticking knives and forks sticking out of it or um you know the clowns will be playing with the giant meatball or whatever but yeah when you have no context for what that thing is it's it's weird um the the potentially gross part about it is that well let's put it this way the good versions are made with really it's a lot of dried fruit and cake it's kind of it's similar to a fruitcake. Like yeah. the the basic idea is, yeah, you're going to take a lot of dried dried fruit or or other kinds of fruits, mix it with sugar and spices and whatnot, um, and and alcohol. That's one thing you do mix it with alcohol because to make it have its sort of special taste, you let it all ferment. So you make this thing a couple weeks before Christmas, and then it has to sit and fester <laughs> for a while, and then when you serve it you either cut it in half or whatever, but you're going to drown it in alcohol and then set it on fire. That's oh, sort of the traditional okay. thing. You burn it. And and once the flames are down, then you serve it. And even in a Christmas carol, Bob Cratchit's wife serves one. And that's where the whole family is all nervous. Like, how's it going to turn out? And he takes a bite and is like, oh, it's a triumph or whatever. Um, that's a pudding. A Christmas pudding is what they call it. It's really kind of, kind of cake. Older ones though, apparently, and this was way more common, especially in UK cooking but they would mix in meat with the fruit um and they'd have all kinds of stuff and so calling it a sausage was a joke for me but i think they literally would have kind of sausage mixed into it too but you know i i can't say anything about what british food of like the 1500s would be like i mean i guess they were they were working with whatever whatever they had (laughs) so um you mentioned too that they they sometimes could mix in some beef lard and I was yeah, like, suet. Oh! Yeah, that's that's pretty common. Like it's supposed to be this really suet. rich, fatty cake, but they, yeah. So you'll be I, fat. It comes on pigs too. Well, suet. Mm-hmm. I, and I was laughing so hard. I'm telling you, everyone's got to go to weirdchristmas.com and they got to go look at all the photos and read everything that Craig has on there because you will cackle, you will you will laugh. But he's got a picture of a pudding bag hanging on a hook. And the caption under it, I have to read this because it just made me laugh so hard. Wikipedia chose a particularly cursed image for their page. The bad flash lighting makes this pic feel humid and unclean. And it really, really looks that way. It is this bag that looks like there is a clump of maybe organs inside of it. Oh yeah, it and totally. It I, I don't. That, that's like the official Wikipedia page that they've had up on their on the page for it forever about how they hang it because they'll hang it from a hook and let it sit it in the basement. Look, but this one totally does. It was. 
was. Oh, it's got a, it's another one where I'm like, that's got to be a joke. Like somebody's got to hate pudding and put that up there just to make people not want to do God, it. But, yeah. No, it is. But just I, I'm uh, humid and unclean. I, I sent this, Craig, seriously. You've been going around the circle here lately with my friends because I sent this picture to my friend last night. I'm like, yeah, we're going to be talking to this guy soon. And um, just read this. And she she did the same thing. She's like, humid and unclean. <laughs> so people, uh, yeah, they're loving your captions, Craig. Oh, cool. Well, um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, yeah, I get I try to make the like snarky jokes about all the cards. And that's funny because some people hate it. They're like, man, I'd share more of these if you just weren't so dumb about everything. <laughs> like, I, love, I love that, though. That's, no, that's, that's the best part because they are weird. And, and that is the reason why when I've gone into antique stores and I'll go through like that box where they're like card postcards, one dollar. And I find some just weird thing like. I don't, weird, just a weird saying yeah. on it. You don't really know what's going on. You don't know the context. It's not even associated with any holiday. I'll just be like, "That's uh, okay. That's different." Uh, and yeah. I'll just put it in my pile of weird stuff. Uh, yep. And and it's it's fun. Now, do you obviously you collect all cards, or do you just focus on like Halloween and Christmas? No, I I started this literally like ten years ago after I read that book. I was like, I got to get some of these things. I'd never been, um, like collecting cards no that had never been a thing but ever since then yeah i've gotten to know dealers and i go to shows around chicago and look for the stuff and yeah it's it's a fun mini obsession it like it gets is. you out of the house <laughs> and you're of, lucky you're uh, in the chicago area because yeah you kind of have that like extra extra edge to find like yeah you know cool ephemera dealers and stuff in yeah. a bigger area like that yeah. and of course there's always good old good old ebay which yeah, if, if you want to slightly overpay for most stuff. Oh man, those totally, especially Krampus since Krampus got big, like you could usually used to be able to find actual old German Krampus cards pretty easily. Now the cheapest you'll probably find them is like 30, 40, 50 oh, bucks yeah. for oh, one really? card. Um yeah. for for someone like me, I've I've collected vintage Halloween stuff when I can for a long time, but even going back to 25 years ago when I was looking into, you know, let's let's search eBay for some of the stuff eBay's sort of newish. Um, or brand new. And even then, like all the vintage Halloween stuff was just even sky high then. And so yeah. I was looking for vintage because I loved all the vintage postcards. Those were the first mm -hmm. ones I was attracted to. And yeah, they were, you're looking at 35, 40, 50 bucks just for a single little postcard. And I was like, I can't afford that. So my grandma ended up giving me two that she had. And I was so thrilled. Oh, cool. So I just, and, and one of them was on your site. It's got, oh, the, cool. it's got the little, um, the little fortune telling acorns. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know that one. Yep, that's yeah. really cool. If you like those, have you ever seen the cartoon Over the Garden Wall? I I feel like I've heard of that, but I've not it seen it. It was a Cartoon Network special, I like, what, seven-ish years ago now? I forget. Um, but the guy who made it specifically had this huge collection of old Halloween cards. And even, like, I saw the show and I was immediately like, I know that card. I know that card. I know that card. I was like, it's got to be this. <laughs> and turns out, yeah, he actually did it. And they came out with a book of the stuff that, uh, or sort of like the making of it or whatnot. And he talks about his little collection that he would give to all the, the writers. But yeah, you should totally check that out. I so, just wrote it down. Over the garden I'm gonna, wall. I'm going to check that out. Now, with us being uh, in the Detroit area, we're, I'm going to have to ask you to share your experience and your opinion on your 2018 visit to our lovely Bronner's Christmas Wonderland <laughs> in Frankenmuth, Michigan, where it is home to the world's largest Christmas store that literally is the 27 acres, 1.7 football fields in size. It is ridiculous, but you finally went uh, in 2018. Um, I need your story and yeah. your thoughts and opinions. <laughs> yeah, no, I... so. I'm a huge fan of people who have any kind of niche interest or obsession and just go with it. So that place was awesome. Like I was <laughs> totally into whoever it was that, that just dove in and was like, that's all right. We're turning a campus into Christmas store. Um, and there's like the silent night chapel <laughs> yeah. off to the side mm -hmm. um, with all the, I mean, it's kind of cool because they got lyrics to all the songs and all the different languages out there. But yeah, it's a whole chapel devoted to silent night. I forgot how long that thing's been open. It's been around Sorry, for a I while. Sorry, I didn't cut you off. Yeah, that, but I just it, it does seem like like parts of it definitely seemed a little aged. So it has to have been. It's a been while. there for. Well, it's my, been, I mean, I, I I can say it's been there. 
I, you know, I, I, my parents were taking me there when I was. I mean, every that was a that was a pilgrimage for my family uh, gotcha. growing up. And I was like, you know, when I was between the ages of like five and like eleven years old. I know for sure I was there, and that was back in like the you know mid, mid to late seventies, early eighties, yeah. right? So well, it's been there that long. It's yeah, well, you can my, probably look it up. I no, mean, I'm geez. looking it up right now. But my grandma has. Uh, boxes in her Christmas collection that she's like, I got these when I first got married. And my grandma's in her eighties. Yeah. So it's awesome. it's been around. Well, for they advertise a while. Bronner's like that place on the west side. Now Bronner's is more on the east it'd be like more to the east side of the yeah, state. Yeah, it's here. close to you. Yeah, yeah I used to live to in like southwest Michigan and I'd yeah. see signs for it. Yeah. yeah. And I mean yeah. you'll see Bronner signs like on the west side of the state. So it's clearly a it's a it's a tourist attraction. Oh no, no, know? no. It's totally a tourist attraction. Yeah. It's an but it has but... like great little details, like on the sign next to the highway. There's a Santa who is on his belly with his legs kicking up in the air, <laughs> yeah. and it totally looks like a Vegas girl show sign. The little things like that all over the place were amazing, and like the, the fact that it has its own little chapel completely dedicated to Silent Night. Oh yeah, that's amazing, and yeah. It, it yeah, it's a full legit little mini chapel that is all about Silent Night, and the path has all the the uh, lyrics in different languages going up to it. And yeah, the, the one thing that did kind of freak me out, I admit a little bit, and I, I'm not trying, I don't want to offend anybody, but right when you walk in, you look up and on the wall, there's a giant Santa Claus <laughs> kneeling down to oh, God, a yeah, baby yeah. Jesus in the manger. And I'm just like, you know, uh, yeah. yes, it's Christian holiday. Yeah. Um, but do we need to mix up our, image is quite that much stay in your lane dude <laughs> what the heck man yeah no, yeah that, I, I know exactly what you're talking about that tripped me out every time and, I walk and in the there. and the picture of like the owner like the original creator oh, yeah. it sort of like hovers above there and watches mm -hmm. over you yeah uh yeah. i'm looking at the logo right now and it says since 1945 my god so it has been around for a hot second wow. yeah and of course frankenmuth yeah. the town itself is like this little like artificial version of of Germany, yeah, kind of thing. Like, which is there, cool. there's, there's, go ahead, Craig. Go oh ahead. no, they have the whole little. Um, there's like a big uh, clock, like a cuckoo clock, yep. in the middle of town that has all the stuff coming out of it. And I remember sitting there. I was going to film it and like make some joke or something about the the noontime, <laughs> whatever that went on. But then the the little thing get going. It was like seven or eight minutes long, and I'm like, this this is too long for a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you come there for the chicken. That's the big thing. You, oh, yeah. really? Yeah, that's the big oh, thing. Oh, that's Zenders. Z yeah, Zenders. Or Bavarian oh, Inn. I remember that. Yeah, 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 you come there yeah, for the fried chicken. Uh, you know, it's not really fried, like southern fried chicken. It's I don't even know how that got became it's delicious. a thing. But it's delicious. It, that was the thing growing up. You had to come there for the chicken. It was a big thing yep. for us. That was, that was our big draw there. Not not Bronner's, the chicken. Yeah. The chicken. <laughs> Your family style dinner. I know. And so it's like funny that we have that little novelty like in Michigan. Not, not even an hour away from us. No, yep. no, I love it. So obviously Christmas and all of this weird stuff. Has, has anything off the top of your head, all the research you've done, all the research you've done, what, what was most shocking to you? If you can even answer that. Honestly, the, the thing that most shocked me and that most that I actually appreciated most was just how much the season really was dark. Like yeah. that, that really was the part that probably kept me going. Like my whole site and everything is all jokey and fun. But the fact that like, honestly, this whole thing has really made me just really love the whole season a lot more because it doesn't feel completely saccharine and, you know, super overly sentimental and whatnot anymore. Cause the history really does give it this whole sense of, yeah, this was a time when like people really did butt heads with scariness and with mystery and with death and, and all kinds of, you know, serious stuff and then tried to turn it into symbols and stories. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Like it actually does. I mean, I, I am not, personally a very religious person but it's still it made the whole season feel really special again and actually like you get why it's so sacred yeah. to so many people like, and that's that's kind of cool the fact that it it really made christmas mean something more again than just all the jokes about you know buying stuff and right right like, yeah. like you're reclaiming something again and yeah. taking it away yeah. from the the consumerism that it's you know become yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, we thank you, Craig, for taking the time to talk about all this weird stuff yeah. about the holiday. 
to remind people it's about its roots, where yeah. it came from, where we should keep steering yeah. it. Well, thanks for uh, asking me too. Yeah, I mean, any yeah, chance no. to talk about it is cool. And like I said, you made a podcast. That means you're going to want to run your mouth about something. All right, anyway. right. <laughs> and where? And speaking of the podcast, yeah, about the podcast. Where yeah. can everybody go and obsess over you and find everything about you? All the normal podcast places, just search. It'll it should be on there. Um, and weirdchristmas.com is a base too. Um, otherwise, social media accounts are where I share all the cards. Like I've got a whole automatic queue set up and pump out about 20 a day. Um yeah, and your more website. And more, your website. Uh, yeah. The website, it's the social media that lets me like pump a bunch of them out on the website i've got like blog posts about like the dead yeah. birds or yeah. the, the meatballs and you know but well, like you can link to all like your that. social media from your site I yeah know, oh yeah 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 that's all it's all there too so, so twitter should... and tumblr and facebook group and all yeah that fun all stuff. that stuff no seriously craig thank you so much for spending some time with us here on this this has been so enlightening and you know and re- i've been saying this for a while too it, you know and I, we we've touched on this a lot in the last hour it is this idea that this is a darker time more darker than people give it credit for and i think you know and as i said like the krampus thing earlier like it's really got a lot of steam in the last five years yeah. and i think i think that's opening people up to thinking about other ideas and diving into this so i think yeah. people are over the next next decade you know christmas may be a totally different thing for a lot of people in the next decade so you may be right yeah, yeah. I, so thank you again we'll, we'll let's do this again please Cool. Thanks. Yeah, I'll come up with with actual good ghost stories. Um, and we'll, we'll... Ghostly talk. <laughs>